0: If you will take your Bibles with you this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, familiar passage to some of us, it talks about the wise man and the foolish man who built their house upon the rock versus upon the sand. We're going to look a little deeper in the context of what the Lord is saying and using this example to bring a point across this is really at the end of chapter Matthew chapter 7 is a conclusion of the beatitudes and there's been a lot of truth throughout chapter 5 chapter 6 and 7 that we see the lord is established and then he finally concludes with the wise man and the foolish man who built their house upon The rock or the sand look at chapter 7 verse 21 with me chapter 7 of Matthew verse 21 not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven many will say to me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come again this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. As we sang the hymns this morning, as we lifted our hearts, great is your faithfulness. Father, great is your love that you would bring your Son, that you would send him, that he would die upon the cross. What great love is proved in his dying for sins. Father, we pray, Lord, today that if one does not know you as their lord that today you will convict them bring life to their heart where their hearts can look to you and call upon you not just with our minds or not the things which uh, do not last but father with our hearts with all of our soul we call upon you in jesus name amen So as we looked at this passage, and we know it's a conclusion of the Beatitudes, one of the things that we need to look at in context is it's not so much, we know it's a children's song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, the the foolish man built his house upon the sand. There's a lot of truth in the application of the song. But when the Lord is using this as a an example of what he's been saying, what he's been talking about through all Beatitudes is he's talking about the true condition of a professing Christian. And what he does is he he, uh, equates that a true confession of someone confessing Christ that they will have obedience in their life. They will come to him with Lord. Then when they profess unto him, Lord, Lord, that this obedience, will, this profession, this heart will produce fruits, it'll have a relationship. You've often, you've often heard that Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. I mean, it's, that's an easy pun, it's an easy thing to say, but it's very, very true. Uh, and so the Lord is talking and he is bringing up in the Beatitudes these situations where Some people can get caught away in visuals. Look with me. So let's start in chapter 6. Well, look at chapter 5. We won't read all the Beatitudes, but we're going to kind of look through here and kind of get the gist of what he's been saying that leads to this example of the wise and the foolish man. So we know when Jesus came, he was mainly talking to the Jews. And what, did the, what were the Jews? They had a very systematic religious rule. They had a religious rule system. Uh, their religion, it, it seemed like their hearts were cold and all they had was fear of following rules. They had schedules. They had things that they, they had in their life. That as long as they did this, as long as they were a part of this family, and they did this, they followed, obeyed the rules that they were righteous, that they would go to heaven. And so Jesus is, he came down and he starts challenging the whole system of religion, and works, and rules, and things of that nature. And we all know as Jesus came and he was preaching to the scribes, the Pharisees of the religion, he said, you're missing the biggest thing, it's your heart, it's your soul. I want to say this, you know, it's when you start talking about repenting and believing in the Lord and the gospel, uh, it is people do not want to give up their heart. They would rather give up their eight-hour shift, clock in, do what they're told to do, but their heart is not in their work, their heart is at home. Their heart is they can't wait to get home. A lot of people treat religion that way. They treat Christianity that way. I'm going to go ahead and clock in and do what I'm going to do for the name of the Lord, all these things I'm going to do, and then when I'm done, I'm clocking out, and I'm going to go home and do the things that I really want to do. So the Lord is talking to that heart. There's something very devastating that's missing there. Now, what we need to understand is that when we die, the soul will live forever. It's a heavy topic this morning, talking about your soul. But Jesus is talking to you about your soul today. And so we need to look within ourselves. Now, you know, the, my intention, you know, I, we just came off of a very serious topic of false professing Christians on Wednesday in Hebrews. We, we, we did, and I'm like, Lord, you want me to preach again on false-professing Christians? But here is the thing, is do not be afraid. The Lord tells us right here, this is how you're saved. This is how you repent. This is how you believe. But the first thing you need to be is honest. Amen. Are you clocking in, clocking out? Are you mailing it in? Or is your heart in it? And so that's what he goes on in the Beatitudes. He says in, we're going to chapter 5, verse 26, he says, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the utmost farthing." Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. This is, quite the message. Now, this is just one example. What is the Lord saying? Your clock in and clock out rules. That's not what's, what's mattering here. What's mattering is your heart, is your essence, your being, who you are, your makeup. It's not the rules. And that's what he's talking about. Even actually verse 20, look at this chapter five, verse 20. For I say unto you, That except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Think of the most holiest person you can think of. Think of the most godly preacher you can think of. Think of the pastor. Think of any of these. Unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. What's the Lord saying to the people there? And remember, this is the Beatitudes. And then he's just talking. Um, how, can I have, how can I be holy like them? How, how can I exceed what they appear to be? And we know that that must be the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We know that that must be through the repentance and faith that God has supplied his own righteousness, and that is the righteousness that, that will exceed any righteousness that man Any kind of person on earth. No no one on earth can exceed the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the righteousness you need before God to be found not guilty. But let's get back. Let's get back to verse 27. He says, In thy heart, he brings up the heart. And look at chapter 6 of Matthew. Now, this is an interesting one. So he says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, that means your gift, your giving, your charity to others. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth let thine uh that thine alms may be done in secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly so here is something that our giving our religious works our our when we come and we do the things that the lord has told us to do what's the motive behind what we're doing he says, don't do things just to be seen. Don't do your giving to be seen, which we saw in, in that this morning in Sunday school. In verse 5, now he says, don't pray just to be seen. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that there may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. He's going with visuals, isn't he? Both of these, both of all of this in common has been visuals so far. It's what other people see. But what does the Father see? So, and he goes on. And actually, in verse 16, he talks about fasting. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites, a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. What is the Lord addressing in these Beatitudes? He's addressing the issue of the heart. He is, he is addressing visuals compared to heart. Is our motive in the heart, is our motive in the soul, is it our essence is that our being. Do we want to be alone with the Lord? Do we want to pray with the Lord? Do we want to be in secret that the Lord be glorified through your gift to them? Or do we do what we do to be seen? And that is what the Lord's addressing is the heart. In verse 19, he says, Lay up not yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We spoke about this in Sunday school, and we spoke about this last week. It's almost a series two of our home, a home series. I, and this, I, I pray the Lord speaks to you about this. Well, the, the place that I cherish the most is home. I don't know if you all do the same thing. I'm a homebody. I, I don't like to go out, uh, ask April. April's not a homebody. The Lord has certainly brought us together the, as opposite attracts, And uh, maybe the, the more opposite, the more attraction, because I definitely love her. And we are definitely opposed on that. I, I just can't, she may not be able to just sit at home, and I can't be anywhere else. Uh, so my treasure is there. My place is there. Who are you when you go home? Who are you? Oh, you're, you are who you are. You are who you are. Now, what is he saying? Okay, so if you are who you are at home, what are you going to do? You're going to get stuff. And you're going to make it cozy and... And the nice ambiance. And that's what I was telling Jason about cleaning his room. Make, a, make an environment that welcomes people in, not repels. And, and, you know, when I go in, how much of it is men, mental health, too? You don't want to walk to a cluttered house and everything needs to be orderly. And, and there you can relax and be yourself. That's who you are when you're at home. And that's where your treasure is. But what does the Lord say? The Lord says, do not make the things of this earth where your heart is. Make your home with him. And then your treasure, lay up for yourselves treasures for heaven. Not treasures of this earth. And because he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he deals again with the heart. Now, chapter 7. I'm going to have to speed up because I'm still in the introduction. Chapter 7 dealing with visuals again. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? A mote is a little tiny speck of dust, and a beam is like a two by four. He's saying that you cannot perceive the, your own sin that is huge. Your sin should appear like a beam in your eye versus the sin in your brother. should appear like a little, compared to your sin, it should be that small. Or, and so verse 4, Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. What is the visual here? So we want to see the visuals in others, but we never want to see an introspection. Jesus is calling right here in chapter 7 to look within you. Mm -hmm. Look within you. There is a deception in just the visuals. Is that something you're doing? Is that your motive? Are you praying just to be seen? Are you giving alms just to be seen? Are you fasting just to be seen? And here, if you are someone who does that, then all you do is see. All you do is see the wrong in others. Because you never see the the wrong in yourself. So the Lord is saying, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention. Don't let this slip. Don't let this pass you by. Pay attention to your heart. So, all right. So verse 21. I want to skip ahead. There is some more that we wanted to go through, but Verse twenty-four. We're going to focus on therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, notice the words that Jesus is saying here: whosoever heareth. Now, and that's a comparison. Before, up in verse twenty-one, the verse is those who saith versus those. So, in verse 21, you have people speaking. You have people professing. But they don't have the heart. They, they don't have the relationship with God. They don't, have, they don't submit to the lordship of the Lord in their life. But they are talking. Their mouth is professing him. Because, I mean, it's very admirable in verse 21. They're speaking, but it's not enough. So what do these people hope to do? Well, they hope to speak to Christ at the end, at the judgment seat. They hope that, it, they hope that it's good enough to speak about him. But there's been no inward change. There's been, they've not ever looked in their hearts. They've not ever seen the change that comes through conviction of the Holy Spirit, repentance, godly sorrow over your sin to God. You humbly come before him. You surrender your life to him. And he changes your life. And let me tell you, it is not a life of slavery, like the devil wants you to think. It is a life of freedom. To be submissive to the Lord. And so they've never experienced that. All they've done is they've had they've had this profession, and we saw that in, in Hebrews. How the Bible teaches that in an initial Profession of faith is not salvation unless it is followed by perseverance in faith. The Bible teaches us that those who are saved will persevere in faith. It's not about the initial acceptance. It's not that. What did Jesus say? He says, uh, to those who believed on him, he turned to them and he said, If you you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. A lot of people, they don't want to be honest with it. And we know that the Word of God, over and over, the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. And how many times do we see the Word of God The more you preach to them the word of God, the more that sun hardens the clay. It hardens it and hardens it and hardens it. And pretty soon they're going to get angry about you preaching the gospel to them. Over and over and over. But the same word will also melt wax. Now who makes the difference? Jeremiah tells us who makes the difference. That God has replaced the stony heart with a heart of flesh. And that heart of flesh is not in the negative sense, but a soft heart. It must be the Lord's work. And we wait on him to do those things. But the whole essence of faith is it's not just what we say and what we say to him. Many believe that they're going to get before Christ and they're going to talk to him and say, you know, you knew my hardships. You knew the things that I went through. You You knew that it's My mom's fault. Or it's my dad's fault that I never took you seriously. Or it's my grandmother's fault. Or it's somebody's fault. There will be so many people with excuses. But the the word of God says that all of you will be held accountable with the light that's been given unto you. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we see that even though Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent, that did not lessen the punishment because they knew better. The Lord had given them the light where they should repent with their whole heart. Look, salvation is not something you, you clock in out and clock out of and, and that you, you obey the rules, but your heart is far away from those things. That's, that is something that you need to be aware of, that you need to be honest with. Because one day you're going to meet Jesus, the great white throne. Revelation chapter 22. There's going to be a great white throne. And John pictures it as the earth and the sky fled away. And all that was left was this great white throne. And Jesus sat upon it. And he opened up the books. And the dead, both small and great, and the dead from everywhere came. And they were judged. And if their names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they were cast into hell. And this is called the second death. The Bible says, blessed is he who is part of the first resurrection. When the Lord comes and shouts and the, the, the clouds separate and the Son of God comes for his whom he loves, his beloved, whom he's died for. It's the bride coming for his groom. I mean, I'm sorry, it's the groom coming for his bride. Oh, we're going to see him, and then we'll all be. And those who are alive and remain, that we will be caught up together, that we will not prevent them which are asleep. They will receive a resurrected body unto glorification, and those who are alive and remain will receive a translated body unto glorification, just like Elijah Elijah and Enoch receive translated bodies. And just the promise of the hope which we have, but listen. All of this is in verse 24. He says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. What sayings? The sayings that that Jesus has been describing all through the Beatitudes is check your religion, check your profession, check your heart. And whoever hears these sayings of mine and does what? Doeth them. I've said this many times. This is the essence of faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That you are saved by grace through faith. And faith has three essential elements. Okay, Faith is believing the revealed word of God. Jesus went to the woman Samaria and she says, "Um, he who believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe the revealed word? Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe his sayings? First of all, he says, he who hear my sayings. Do you believe? Do you hear his sayings and believe them? The second part of faith is trusting in what God has said. That's where hope comes in that I trust that God will be faithful to what He has promised. I trust Him. I trust Him with my whole heart. I trust that that He will save me, that when I die, I know I'm going to wake up in glory because it's not my efficiency, my sufficiency, not my good works. It's none of those things which I did right. It's all the things He did for me in His love, how He suffered for me the wrath of God, the, the largest and biggest and greatest dis, uh, demonstration of love that there ever will be, that we'll all fall and worship Him for how worthy He is that God Himself should suffer and die for my sins. Oh, he'll, He's worthy. Look at the, the, the throne room in heaven. The angels bow down, ten thousands upon ten thousands and thousands and thousands. and all things worship him. Thou art worthy to open the seals. Now that is trusting in God. Do you trust his sayings? First, do you believe these sayings that you've heard? Do you trust it? The third element of faith, real faith, is obey. If you believe and you trust in the Lord with your heart, you're going to do what he's told you to do. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. But here's the thing. It It should hurt you that you can't. It should hurt you that you can't. And you're not going to do it perfectly. The Lord's going to convict you. We see that obedience is an element of faith. And that's what he's saying. Therefore, whosoever, how can I not be the person in verse 21? How can I not stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I thought I had, I thought I had salvation. Didn't I say all these things, but no heart? Didn't I, didn't I obey the rules? But you clocked in and clocked out like it was a, a shift at work. You left it at work. You, you, you leave it at church. Then you went on home where your treasure is. What's there? Oh, all of the things that entice the flesh, and you never think of God. Here is the important part that Jesus is talking about. He is addressing those who are of religion, have all these religious works, but their hearts are cold. And in verse 22, he says, Many will say to me, but what will, verse 23, Jesus will profess to them. And so he says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, Not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And you know what the most sad part about this is, is the foolish man who's living inside this house that's built upon the sand is oblivious that it's not strong. It's a he's oblivious that it's set for destruction. He's a, he. He thinks it's fine. He thinks his shortcuts. And what is the sand? The sand is you believing in the world's philosophy, humanitarianism, moralism. You believe all of these things. You are defining and sculpting your moral compass, your moral values, out of society's things that you see injustices. You you are shaping who you are. You're shaping your home life out of all these things. Treat people better, and of course. You know what? When you have the love of the Lord within you, you know one of the things he says in here about your heart is first, get it right before God. Second, treat others well. Do unto them as you would have done unto you. When you have the love of the Lord in your heart, what are you concerned about? I'm concerned about your soul. That's love and I'm going to say words that might offend you and might hurt you, and you may want to hurt me for saying them. But I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. Don't be surprised. The foolish man that built his house upon the sand, do you think when the storms came, one of these days the Lord's returning. He's coming back. And those who have built their lives, and what that is, that lives is your essence, your soul. Who you are, where you're at home. When he comes back and you have built your life upon the sand, you've built everything, he's going to, and even though you may try to say to him, Lord, Lord, and Luke, well, Luke picks it up. You know, right before he gets into the parable of the wise man and the foolish man, in Luke chapter, I believe, 6, could be wrong. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? What's the three elements of faith? What's perseverance and faith? Believe, trust, and obey. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, moved with fear to the preparing of the ark. By faith, Abraham left, and he obeyed God and went out to a country not knowing where he was going to go. By faith, Jer- um, Joshua, Went around the the walls of Jericho. He believed God. Do you believe God? If you do, you'll do what he says. And then when you cry, Lord, Lord, he is your Lord. Because he's your Lord now. There'll be no talking him into it later. Look at all these things I thought were sufficient. Well, I built my house on the sand because I wanted to build it my way, Lord, not your way. The truth that Jesus insists upon is this. It is not what we say about Jesus or whether we hear his words. It is whether we do what we say about Jesus. Is he your savior? Do you obey him? Do you love him? And what we do, do you do what you know you ought to do? If you do, you love the Lord. And that's faith. That's the persevering faith that we saw in Hebrews chapter 2 that we looked at. That how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How can we escape? If If those in the Old Testament did not escape the old covenant that was given by the word of angels, how much more will we not escape the eternal punishment of God if we reject the word and the work Of Jesus Christ to save our souls. Now I don't preach this to mean to make people doubt their salvations, but I don't want to do it any more or any less that the Word of God challenges our hearts to look within, to validate. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says that we should take earnest heed to the things which were spoken unto us lest we let them slip, lest we drift away from those things. And he's talking about those who have a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. If it's true salvation, God's still working in you. And you know God's working in you. And you're going to persevere in faith. Those who have drifted, those who have had a false profession in faith, they're going to drift from the word, they're going to drift from the things of God, and they're not going to care. They're not ever going to have a conviction in their heart. If that is someone... You know, people are saved all the time who had a a profession of faith when they were young or earlier. All the time. Preachers get saved in their own pulpits. All the time. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to be serious about. This is your soul. Mind secure in heaven forever. You won't be able to blame anybody but yourself or your own. And I pray you have received the Lord as your personal Savior. He died for your sins upon the cross. You believe the Word of God. You trust in Him. That He says, if you believe on Him, you repent of your sins, believe on Him, and that He rose again the third day, ye shall be saved. Do you trust that? Do you trust Him? Well, then if you trust Him, then you love Him. And you're going to do the things which He said to do. And what are the things he said? Look at the Beatitudes. It's not about our works. It's not about the appearances of things. Some people are just about visuals. And they never see what's going on in their own hearts. You, you inspect your own heart. All right. I pray the Lord's richly blessed you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, what a mighty weight of your word. Father, we know that in your word, you said that many will hear your word, but their, their, wa- their ears of wax gross; their hearts of wax gross. They can't hear, they can't see. Lest they be converted and you forgive them of their sins. Father, we pray that we know that it's only by your power that penetrates that heart of stone. Father, we, we wait on you. We, we thank you, Father, for your grace to us and your love of saving us. We pray for those whom we love. Lord, if they're not saved, that you reveal it to them Father, before it's too late. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.